Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we are on with Jeremy Jackson of the Sports Medicine Broadcast. Uh, it's been a good time to get a lot of interviews, and this one was one I really look forward to, and we've actually collaborated a lot um, leading up now as this one is released, but you should see some of those. There will be one coming out if you didn't catch the Facebook Live about smart tools, um, and also one with AT Poetry, which was hilarious, and we highly recommend that to go back and watch. And this one, I wish to learn more about Jeremy and his theme for the year of I Am Not Strong Enough, which is a really interesting conversation um, and how he takes a look at that and something worth listening to um, to try and see how that applies to your own life. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. We appreciate all that they do um, and how they help out. Obviously, in these tough times, a lot of things to take a look at. Highly recommend checking them out as you get ready for next year's budgeting um, with the hope that everything goes forward as planned. With all of that, enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on with Jeremy Jackson of the Sports Medicine Broadcast. Uh, honestly, I haven't really done a whole lot of research if you've been other, on other podcasts before, so uh, this works out really well. Uh, we are in the middle, as everybody else, um, at this time of the quarantine and everybody staying at home. So, of course, both being on the podcast world, this is the perfect opportunity uh, before we get into what we're talking about today, uh, which I think is going to be a really interesting topic, I'm very curious as to your um, take on all this stuff with the success that's been around the sports medicine broadcast and how many people it's reached and the amount of content you guys put out. Um, before we get into all of those things, just please tell us about you. All right. So just recently i was on a, a new podcast it's the eprof at and so that's uh cameron eldred and thomas greffley they're at indiana state university working on their dat and so they're just okay. starting it and uh you know uh cam was just talking about how he'd listened to the sports medicine broadcast as he was preparing for his boc and helped him things like that and so um that was one of the first ones where i've actually been on somebody else's show um, okay and so you know I know you, I just listened to some of yours recently and, and I know you guys did an episode with Candid and with Ryan Stevens and yep. um, I think that, I think that was all of them, but the athletic training podcast that you guys did. Yeah, those are, yeah, those are the only two. Yeah. Candid. Yeah. It was just kind of funny. We both decided to start not knowing it literally on the opposite side of the state from each other. So just lucky timing on that, I guess. <laughs> so um, I, I started the podcast, the sports medicine broadcast as a way to bring um, guest speakers into my sports medicine classroom. Okay. And then somewhere, somewhere around episode like 85 is when I really decided, Hey, this is a good resource for professionals, for athletic trainers. That's when Josh Yellen came on the show. And so that was kind of about where it changed right now. I think there's somewhere around like 620 that have been released. Um, and so this is my 16th year as a professional, my 13th year at my current location 
I think it's about my seventh year doing the podcast. So I've been married for going on uh, 16 years, or I'm sorry, going on 15 years this summer. I got three boys. Um, so I live and work right here in the community. I'm like three and a half miles from the school I go to uh, and so, or the school I work at. And so, you know, this is a big part of, of who I am, what I do, just the impact and the, the, the reach of me as an athletic trainer has changed so much because of the broadcast. Right. Yeah. Selfishly, the two that I'm involved in were basically to find an excuse to reach out and talk to different people that I probably never would have talked to before. Um, just cause it would have been hard to find a reason. And there's been some really interesting connections and some really good friendships being uh, forged out of that, which is always a good thing as well. Um, when we connected, we asked you, you know, what kind of topic did you want to talk about? Uh, that's kind of the whole premise of what we're trying to do. And you sent back um, the quote of like your theme for the year um, is, you know, I am not strong enough, which when I first read that, I thought that was really interesting because obviously just with everything you've listed, you got a couple things going on um, in your world and staying busy. Uh, but then you got into it a little bit more and I don't want to take all that away and talk about it. So what is that first, you know, setting kind of your theme for the year, which I thought was a really interesting way to look at it. Um, but what specifically the I am not strong enough theme is. So yesterday I turned 39, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, I turned 39. So at the beginning of this year in August, we had some change of administration. There was a change of a head coach, change of a principal. And there were some things that needed to be changed, but people don't like change. And I was definitely one of those people. And, and so at 38 years old, it was the first time that I've ever, ever felt that I could not control my situation. I am not strong enough. There's nothing, absolutely nothing I can do that I'm not strong enough to control. I am not strong enough to do anything. I'm completely powerless in the situation. Everything I have is in somebody else's hands on whether I continue doing the podcast, whether I continue working, whether I'm finding a new job, whether I'm getting in trouble for something, right? And so that was the first time in my life that I've ever felt powerless or completely unable to do anything that's quite the feeling <laughs> i can only imagine how that was especially for the first time um so how what did you do to go and deal with that especially for the first time like that can be scary like for somebody that's been in the profession for as long as you have i'm a guess and i know i've had this issue with myself in the past but maybe not as much recently like go and dealing with that uh well i think that day was also the probably the hardest day i can ever remember in my life you know like i said i have three kids so coming home with a brand new kid you're you're kind of hopeless but you have an idea you know you've taken some parenting classes you probably have some nieces and nephews something like that you've watched some movies or something but that day, like I said, I was just completely like, I don't know what's going to happen. I truly am just waiting to to see what's going to happen. But then that same day, we also found out that the kids that we were fostering, our very first foster placement, were going to go home that night. So we got a call saying, hey, the kids may go home tonight. We don't know yet. And then by the time I got home, hey, the girls are going home. 
And so it's like these kids that we've been fostering, planning on being part of their lives for like nine months, which is the normal cycle. Well, all of a sudden they're boom. So like that day was brutal. So obviously I have a um, relationship with, with Christ. And so the praying was part of it and, and seeking the relationship with like some spiritual mentors, that kind of thing. And then my wife is, you know, being my best friend and the one that knows me best was able to kind of talk to me and just listen some, uh, uh, John Seco has been on the podcast probably 50 times. And he was one of the first people I texted said, Hey dude, here, you want to be the owner of the sports medicine broadcast or something? <laughs> you know, Cause I was like, well, if I have to shut it down, I might as well let somebody else uh, carry it on. And sure. he's like, dude, dude. And I, and we, we've talked about this on, um, the series that he did about leadership. And he was like, Oh, I sounded like a, a high school girl with, you know, the world is falling kind of thing. And, and that's, like I said, 38 years old, the first time I've ever truly felt out of control, just hopeless, just like I didn't know. And so that's kind of, that's right. That's the situation I was in. Um, so texting with him, talking with him, talking with Sarah, praying, like I had trouble sleeping for days. And then I began to let the process work. I began to look and say, I need to do better. I need to change. What can I do to change? How can we move forward? And so it was, it just took a few days of, of talking, of allowing, of allowing that, I guess, grief to kind of, kind of sit there to do its work of exposing what needs to be cleaned up and then allowing the, the process to begin. Has I guess ultimately has it worked out? I know one that I do, and I think it's all going to go south on me. Um, I stole this from Tim Ferriss. He's he's big on fear setting, um, like literally going to like the worst possible case scenario that you can imagine, and then basically working your way back on the fact that it most likely isn't ever going to be that bad. But because you then acknowledge it, kind of as you said, letting the dust settle, that helps at least get you into a state of mind where you can then be proactive about it. So what were your next steps in terms of kind of moving forward? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of along the same lines. Like I've, I've always been a, I'm going to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going to keep, I'm going to find a way around this obstacle. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to, I'm going to just keep going, whatever it is. I'm not really going to look back. I'm just, I'm just going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And so it's essentially what I did is like, okay, what can we do to fix this? How can we move forward? How can we, what, what are all the steps that I have to do to make this legit? What conversations do I need to have? And, and at first I, I really felt attacked. I felt like blindsided by people that I thought I trusted. Um, and it really wasn't that it was that they, they said, we need to do things correctly. What's done is done. But moving forward, we need to do things correctly. And I'm not, I'm not one to just sit and say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm like, oh yeah, watch this. You know? <laughs> and I know that that's a character flaw in me. And so, so really it is a matter of me talking to people. So like John, or even talking about it on the podcast or talking to Sarah. Yep. And once I've had that conversation, I'm like, okay, I got that out there in a place that's safe and a place that I can trust. Now let me process all that okay i got that and it was the same thing like i i told you i i was literally not sure if i was going to be working 
And as a father with a single income family of five, not working, getting fired is a pretty big deal. I mean, I could go work at Home Depot or Lowe's or I can swing a shovel or something like that, a pickaxe or something, you know, busting up concrete. I don't know. But um, the most important thing is taking care of my family. And so at that point, I was just like, that is the worst case scenario is uh, getting fired. And then, okay, okay. Think about the conversations. They said, what's done is done. Let's move forward. And so just going, like you said, kind of going like, all right, I'm there. I know it could happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. But let's, let's move forward. So current day, because what did you say? That was last August? Yeah, it was this August, this year. This, yeah. pa- this past August? Mm-hmm. Everything settled down a little bit. Have you been a, has it been potentially a positive change at all? Or how, how is everything kind of current state? So there's definitely positive change. And one of the big things is, like I said, I'm always going to find a way around the obstacle. I'm always going to say, or I have always up to this point, always been a, I hear what you say. Here's the rules, but they don't always apply to me. And so, so I've always been a, I'm going to find the gray area in between the black and white where they just barely merge. And I'm going to try and tiptoe that line all the time. Right. And so I think it's a lot easier for me to understand, to know how important it is to be like in the black and white and not in that gray area. And so I would say most of the change has been internal for me because I've still been doing the podcast. Um, I've still been doing it almost exactly the same way. It was just certain aspects of our hand are handled differently. And so part of the issue was, is that I was doing the podcast like after school, like I was doing it during school. I was doing mm-hmm. it after school on the, like on weekends or during the summer. Yep. And so what I was doing was getting like the sponsorship money for the stuff that I was doing during the summer or like, weekends that kind of thing so it wasn't during school time right but it was but it was still the exact same thing so i was using the the school resources or i was using that same same thing to create a business and to gain profit whereas i'm not allowed to do that and so i didn't know that i asked questions but i i said it's my fault i didn't ask all the right questions of all the right people right and so so essentially now everything I do with the podcast with the sports medicine broadcast has to financially run through the school. So if, you know, I know you're sponsored by Mueller. If Mueller was to say, all right, Jeremy, we're going to sponsor the sports medicine broadcast. I'm going to say, okay, well, here's my school's activity fund. Here's where you can donate it. And then we'll use that to pay for like this cool hat that I'm wearing or, you know, the stickers or anything like that. Or even yep. the, when I travel to NATA, anything like that, we'll use those funds to kind of, to pay for that stuff that way gotcha yeah that's that would be a big change i can only imagine if that got cracked down where we're at which hopefully nobody's listening i'm not going to say where i work currently um but anyway no no i could see where that'd be a big change and for something that's so positive to potentially take that away would be tough yeah so like, like right there on that that was one of the talking points i was like uh, you know, with the with the new change, they're kind of like, well, we can shut it all down completely. And I'm like, are you serious? Look at look at what I've done. Like, there's tens of thousands of dollars worth of 
stuff that's been donated to our school. There's people around the world who know of Pasadena High School because of this. There's look at the number of applicants that we had for the job because of this. I talked about the job application, you know, about about the job opening that's going to be here with me at Pasadena, and we had like hundreds of job applicants when I interviewed in last spring. And a large part is because people hear me or they know me because of the podcast. So that's why I, like, I'm like, this is such a positive event. And so then they kind of, you know, a couple of people got involved and it was like, look, this is something that is really good for you, really good for us. Let's figure out a way to make it work rather than just trying to shut everything down. Let's, let's make it work for everybody. Let's make it benefit everybody. And so that was a big thing for me is, is being willing to follow the rules rather than just do things my own way. Makes sense. Yep. Gotta love, gotta love all the rules. So what, what about you, Joel? You, you mentioned, uh, like, the, you know, I talked about this being my first time feeling like I was at a complete loss of control. Have you had that experience where you were just not strong enough to carry on? Ooh, um, I don't know if they've had quite to that. I know there was some times earlier in my career coming out of graduate school, um, some different things where you just, you, I feel like a lot of people go through that. You don't really know where you're going to end up. You're in the worst case scenario because you need a job, but nobody else like really needs you to have to be there because you're fighting for the same job. Whereas obviously like you and I are now in very different positions where we have jobs. So if you were job searching, you always know that you have one. Mm-hmm. Um, it is always a little nerve wracking, you know, with different coaches changes. Um, I've only been at where I'm at for this is year six. And I would consider myself in the top third of longest tenured people there, which I never thought would be the case. Um, so a lot of turnover with that, uh, working with football specifically as my main sport. I've gone through this will be my third head football coach in my time and just kind of figuring out how to navigate those. So those always bring with it some anxiety, but we work through. Yeah. One thing I did want to talk about, and I don't want to switch gears too much across the, I'm not strong enough, but we kind of, you had mentioned it wasn't really about a burnout thing. Um, But I also did want to talk to you, about time management and the being busy and whatnot because of all the things you have going on. Um, I don't have a family yet. Uh, that's definitely on the horizon. You have a good sized family. Um, uh, I have never worked at the high school, but in talking with people that have, they can put in plenty of hours there as well. Plus doing everything you've done and how much content you put out and how consistent it is. How do you go about all that? Uh, well, you I mean you, you talk about burnout? Like the, <laughs> I've mentioned several times. Uh, my wife is Sarah, so I've mentioned several times to Sarah. It's like you know, I would have a lot less to do if I didn't do the sports medicine broadcast. <laughs> Been there. Because there's times where I go in early just to record an episode, or there's times where I'm staying a little bit later, or you know, like I'm just working on something and don't notice that practice finished 20 minutes ago because I'm, you know, I'm show notes or typing up the post that goes with the podcast or I'm scheduling yep. stuff or that kind of thing. And so there's a lot of extra work that goes into it. Um, but as far as burnout, like whenever we connect and now, you know, um, Mark Gibson is one of the guys that you know very well. And, you know, yep. I've talked to him online and 
just sharing that knowledge with me and being able to grow and meet people and then connecting other people, that kind of situation. Whenever somebody reaches out and says, Hey, Jeremy, I really appreciate what you're doing. I really, uh, help, you know, it really helped me pass the BOC or it's really encouraged me or really met me at a place where I was, where I needed to grow, where I needed to hear a story because of the, me being willing to share my story and my failures. It's, it's a big impact that I never really know because, you know, if I look at the number of downloads, I don't get that many comments or, um, you know, so if I have say a hundred downloads, I get one comment or something like right. that. But if there's a, you know, a hundred or a thousand or 10,000 people continuing to download the episodes, then obviously there's people who are listening, people who kind of, that's part of their, their life or their routine. And so that is an energizing thing. And just recently, um, for about six years, I was running the website for GHADS, which is our local, um, athletic trainer organization, the greater Houston athletic trainer society. Okay. And that was something where I decided, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and step away from this. I got a lot of stuff going on with the podcast, with new coworker, with stuff at school. Um, and honestly, it's something that I feel like is kind of burning me out. And so I'm going to step away. And, you know, at, at church, um, there was like working in the sound booth was something that I was doing. And it was, I felt like it, it was always coming back to like, oh, hey, can you do this? Or, hey, so-and-so is not going to be here. When did you just step in? I was like, and it was putting a burden on my family because if something was happening, like the, one of the kids was sick, well, now my wife had to miss because I was doing this, but her job is actually at the church. So it's like, okay, well, are you going to not do it or am I going to not do it? And so for me personally, taking a step back there and saying, I, at this point, for in this situation, I'm going to support my wife in her job and her role for her and our family even though this is something that I'm perfectly capable of doing, I'm going to step back. I'm going to be willing to say, no, I can't do that. I, I need some time. I need to be able to, to sit and listen to refresh, to connect and not have to feel like I'm going to another job. So there, there is a lot and there's always more. There's always somebody willing to, to take your time. Just recently I talked to uh, the world Federation of athletic training and therapy and that was one of the questions is, you know, if somebody wants to get involved, how can they do that? And he's like, well, we definitely need people who know how to do like social media or websites and stuff like that. Well, it's yep. stuff that obviously I know how to do, but it's something that I'm not like, oh, hey, pick me, pick me. It's like, okay, <laughs> well, there's somebody listening that's going to hear that that says, oh, you know what? I'm pretty good at doing social media. Let me just reach out and contact. And so if I can build those connections and help athletic training and physical therapy, therapy, whatever it is, grow, then you know, I feel like I've done my job. Yeah, I think it was Derek Sivers, who is a entrepreneur and investor and everything, that he finally changed his rule to if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Because he was finding that he was overextending, like you had just mentioned, like, that sounds like a really cool opportunity. I'd love to help out. But are you actually going to be able to give everything that it needs for it to be successful, whether that's by their standards or yours and that's that can be hard for people to always you know always take on more and i've definitely run into that myself yeah and i know uh, during nata alicia interviewed kent 
games, Dr. Kent games. And in if something like the best yes, or something like that is one of the books that, you know, the, that they've been reading or what talking about. And, and it really is that is if you say yes to everything, then you're going to have, you're going to end up missing out on a lot of things. Right. And for me, one of the, like the core values is my family. Yep. So if this is something that's pulling me away from my family, if I'm having to stay up late or if I'm having to sit over here and work on the computer so that I can be the website person for NATA while my family's sitting over there eating dinner, playing board games, but I'm over here working on the computer and, and that I'm missing the one thing that's the absolute most important to me. Sure. And so with those, it, it comes with a little bit of experience because I was like, all right, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> yep. Um and you know, we talk about it all the time. Athletic trainers were service oriented. There's always somebody wanting you and it is good to be involved and to help because you make a difference. You learn, you get connected, but you have to be willing to take a step back and say no. And I think that what you just said, if it's not, if you're not all about it, if you don't feel like this is truly making a difference for me and others, then you say, okay, well, in six months, you know, you tell like, that's what I did. I said, Hey, G hats six months from now, I'm, I'm going to be done with the website. So start working on finding somebody else. Yep. I'm, I'm going to be done. Right. So as soon as you have somebody that wants to take over, I'll get with them. I'll mentor them. I'll teach them and I'll continue to work with them afterwards if it's past that six months. But in, at the end of that time, I'm done. That's the same thing I did with the sound booth at church. I was like, Hey guys, at this time I'm done. I'm stepping away. These are my reasons. This is what I'm doing begin to find somebody else. And so I didn't just like, I quit. I'm done. I'm leaving you. I said, okay, I made a plan. I set a date, gave them a heads up, continue to remind them and just step away. And so I gained lots of experience in both of those situations that, you know, I continue to use, gain lots of connections and uh, just the relationships when you see those people or, you know, if I need to, if I need something, I can call or text or email those. Those are some of the things that you can't gain by staying to yourself. So with you've you've been like you said you've been in your role for I believe you said 13 years um where you're at is that something you've seen evolve in yourself in terms of your job as the athletic trainer at the high school is again this is one that even in my 6 years of where I'm currently at went from single guy, new job, all in, doing everything. There are a ton of hours because I didn't have a whole lot else going on. Now married, wanting to start a family, all this stuff, trying to figure out how to dial some of that back, yet still obviously go at a high level. You're now getting a second person, it sounds like, from what you've kind of alluded to. Did you see yourself kind of go through that full transformation of it? and? How did you handle that? How'd you go about it? Because again, one person in high school, I've never done it, but I can only imagine the stress and the requests and the things that come down um, just in terms of what they want you to do. All right. So in the secondary setting, there's a whole array. You can be, you know, at clinic outreach, you can be part-time, you can be full-time at the school, you can be full-time teaching and just with athletic training after school. Yep. So in my first year out of college, I worked in a different school district and I was the number two guy. There was two of us athletic trainers and I was teaching a biology class um, while doing athletic training. So then the number one guy left, we hired somebody else. 
to be the number one so I could still be the number two just because it would make it, make it easier to hire somebody. Well, a week into the school year, he left to be an assistant principal. Okay. So there for two years, I was by myself at a, uh, what was then a 5A high school, which is the top category high school, or the largest category high school in the state of Texas. And so for two years, I was by myself. It was brutal. I didn't have kids. I was married. And it, it honestly just sucked, right? Uh, I'm a new professional and I'm teaching and I'm by myself and I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, so actually I left that school and went to a different district to where I am now. And then I was the number two guy here and I was teaching biology. So just in, in leaving that, I started to, I was teaching more classes here at Pasadena, but I was the number two guy, like all the schools had two athletic trainers. Okay. So it wasn't just something like, like, Oh, well we'll have a two for a little while, but like, this is a position this is the way it is. <laughs> and so in being, being not by yourself, there's a huge opportunity for growth. Um, and it, it truly depends on the, the person there. So Bill was at Pasadena high school for 39 years. He just retired this last year. Right? Oh. And so he had had, um, I don't know, like six or eight different assistants people who didn't usually stay there for a long time for one reason or another. And so we worked together for uh, 13, 12, 13 years before he retired, you know, so it was just a, we worked together a lot. We had a lot of opportunity for interaction, but it's, this was on the last 12 years of his career of, you know, a very long career. And so I think there's a huge difference between like where I am right now with Sophia, who is my new coworker, versus where he was whenever I came in. And so we have a different situation to where we only teach sports medicine. We're in the athletic training room a lot, but then I'm also more focused on mentoring and growing her to be better than I am. Whereas I, I don't feel like I had that. And it may have just been me not even looking for it, not even like appreciating that when I was there, but I feel like I'm more intentional about mentoring and growing her to really connect, to build with the community. So at Pasadena, we are 95% Hispanic, right? So we have lots of kids who don't speak English and Sophia speaks Spanish fluently. She's, you know, she was born in Mexico, lived the first part of her life there. She had to learn English coming over here. So she has a really good connection with the kids. And so, you know, that's one of the things we sometimes speak in, in Spanish to each other so that I can learn and I can practice it. But but growing her, she's going to fit that population longer and better than, than I will. And so I want her to be better. I want her to know how to do everything. I want her to, to grow. And then coming out of the, out of grad school, instead of just, I, I have a bachelor's, I don't have a master's. And so coming out of grad school, she had more opportunity to learn more experiences to learn in school than I did. I, I went through the internship route where it was, you know, 2000 hours a year or whatever it is. And you're just there all the time. You're sitting in the athletic training room, doing your homework or doing your laundry. You're sitting out of practice. You're there for treatments and you don't necessarily learn everything, but you were there. Mm -hmm. So I think there was a huge, a huge difference in my desire to grow intentionally grow her rather than me just being another body. Um, 
So going back to that evolving, I am super pleased with the way that athletic training is changing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a coach, right? Some athletic trainers love that coaching mentality. They yep. can tell you all about the plays and stuff like that. I'm, that's not what I do. Right. I'm, I'm here to do a job to make sure these kids are healthy, to get them back out there to play, to cheer them on like nobody. I mean, I'll be on, I'll be the guy on the bench high-fiving them when they come off, you know, any, anything like that, or, you know, messing around, just teasing them in the athletic training room or knocking them off bounds, that kind of thing. It's not like I'm some stiff that just is <laughs> – you do this, you do this. I'm going home. Right? Yep. I'm there. I'm, I'm invested. I'm involved. I have, I have kids that graduated that are now friends. They literally invite us to their wedding. They come over and, and we play board games. Right. And so the newer professional is seeking to make more of an impact with a better life balance. Yep. And I, I feel like the, the newer athletic trainer is going to have that the greater opportunity or the greater, the broader education, uh, the more exposure to different techniques than I did as an athletic trainer. They may not be, they may not, may not have as many, as much clinical experience because they don't have that thousands of hours sitting in the athletic training room just in case something happens. But that's why I'm there. I'm there to teach them and to lead them and to mentor them. Right. So I am all for, the what i see as the current path of change in athletic training no i would agree with you that's been a big um realization for me more so in the last couple of years is um you know we had you know going back to mark gibson as you mentioned we've had part-time people and we had had graduate assistants and we didn't pay them very well as a university just kind of part of the gig but he was always so intentional on, and I have come to agree with it so much of, we want that to look like a decent hourly rate. So over the course of the year, we're going to look at what your total hours are. You're going to be busier sometimes, but then we're going to shut you down for a while to really help it balance out that we're not just using you as easy labor. And that's changed a lot of my mindset because I had the GA position where you worked full time for a GA stipend. And that was, that's what it was. And I don't regret it in a little bit, but in hindsight, it would have been nice having somebody being like, Hey, you need to get out of here. Cause you've already been here too much. Um, and so just looking at that, I agree. I think that's huge. Um, and I know in my setting specifically, and I guess in anything where it's athletics is really trying to get in the mindset of we work with the coaches and the teams. We don't work for the coaches and the teams and kind of getting people to understand their power in that and that it doesn't have to be an all the time thing that doesn't make you necessarily better because you're just there for more hours right yeah i mean there's there's plenty of times where you know i'm like hey sophia you don't have to be here go home right like, are you sure i'm like this is my day to stay late go home go home because right. tomorrow you might not be able to right go home or hey you need to, your mom, you need to take your mom to the doctor. That's fine. Just take the whole day off. I'll be here. Don't worry. Right. You know, cause I'm, I'm not afraid to take my days off. I have them when I leave, I'm going to lose them. Right. And so I'm there, I do my job, but I'm not afraid. I don't feel like I have to be there. I feel like I have to be there for my family. And so that's what I make a priority. And so I'm not in any way that old coach mentality where you got to be here every day. I got to put in more hours to be better than you. No. Yep. 
Especially when you're putting out a high product and, you know, you've got the support and the trust of coaches and administrators, and obviously your patients or student athletes. That's, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah. And, you know, going kind of back to the, I'm not strong enough. There was another situation this year, which I'm not, I'm not going to talk about all of it, but it kind of like it would drew my character into question and at the administrative level. And there's, there's another thing where it's like, as far as I know, I'm doing the right thing. As far as everybody else can see, I'm doing the right thing, but somebody's accusing me of something and there's nothing I can control about. I can't control what they said. I can't control what happened after that. All I can do is, you know, like I am not in control. I can't control any of that. And just, I'm not strong enough to just say, no, I didn't do it. I got this. I'm moving on. Cause again, my security is in somebody else's hands and it's just, I can't do it all on my own. And so then that's kind of, I think it just all comes back to, I want to help mentor and grow people and I want to keep moving forward and progressing. And it's just, yeah, this year has definitely been a situation where I've learned where I've had to fight myself to not try and take control just to be able to say, okay, I'll follow the rules. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, it's such a hard like time and place on when to fight for those things. Um, I've had a couple of those situations where, you know, it seems I, I don't mean to downplay this, but sometimes you kind of almost have to just take your lumps for the greater good. You know, this isn't the time and the place to put all your energy towards it because when you need to, you want that to be impactful, that people know that it means that much to you. Uh, I think that's hard to learn because if you're just going to go and raise chaos every time something doesn't go your way, that kind of loses its impact at some point. Yeah, one of the things that the administration said to me in the beginning is, would your coaches fight for you? Would they fight for you to stay here? Would they fight for you to still be employed here? And you know, like that's one of the one of the things is do I really care? Right. Do I really care if they would fight for me? Because I feel like if they were going to really fight for me is because I'm someone that is spending all my time up there hanging out with them, doing anything that they say and ask rather than doing what's best. Right. But then, then there's the you have really good athletic trainers who do what's best. They build those relationships. And the coaches see uh, how by the athletes coming in, following instructions and, and doing following, you know, the policies, procedures, whatever it is that they have better outcomes. And so it's, it's an interesting question where, where I don't still don't think that I, I would certainly wouldn't say all of them would, because some of them don't like me. I know. Right? And they, <laughs> like they no, I know that feeling. Try to try to stab me in the back kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, what? that's, that's fine. Uh, and it, you know, it was really funny cause it was the one, the podcast I did about, about, um, communicate and grow. And so the, the title that I had on Facebook was report, report that coach. And then the next line was said, or this or this, or this or this, or, and then like on the fourth line, I said, or maybe you should just go talk to them instead. Right. Yeah. 
And so obviously they didn't look at it. They just saw that and somebody tattled on me or something. And so then they're like, well, this and this and this and this. I'm like, did they even listen? Right. There was like five minutes in the whole thing where I was talking. It was the other people talking. Right. And so, you know, it's funny. It's like, you know what? Maybe I don't even care if you like me, but I'm still going to do what's right by the kids. I'm still going to ask you, hey, how can I help? Like, how? what can I do to to make practice better? But I'm not going to expend all of my energy trying to make sure that you're going to fight for me to keep my job. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's good for the school and what's good good for the kids. And I'm going to, now I'm going to be humble enough to to learn and to listen. I think that's, you know, that's so hard because especially if that's coming from administration, um, you know, who's your end user? Like who's the ultimate person getting affected? You know, yeah, sure. The coaches to some degree, but if you were to flip that around and be like, well, why don't we ask the student athletes? Would they fight for me to stay here? And, you know, because you have a different relationship with them than the coaches that kind of coming back to that for versus with like, you know, you know, yes, you work with the coaches, but are they ever going to come and ask you, Hey, would you fight to keep this coach here? Right. I don't see why it should be any different personally. Uh, and that's been one of my bigger kicks lately is just why is there this lopsidedness in things? And I think I agree with you that the more that can get into the AT profession going forward, hopefully the younger professionals coming will have a better starting point. That's my two cents. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it, you know, there's been, there's a lot of conversations about that, about, about us growing, moving forward, building those relationships, but not being just another coach. And mm-hmm. that, you know, you get the older, old school ones that are, still fighting to keep that just the way it is. Yep. But I'm, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not on that ship. I am all about, Hey, let's make it to where we have 40 hour work weeks. Let's make it to where there's a athletic trainer in the junior high. Let's yeah. make it to where patients have to schedule or that if coaches change a game on a Tuesday because they didn't want to, or they screwed up the bus schedule, then they have to deal with it. They have to pay somebody or they have to cancel it because they didn't tell us and Hey, sorry, I'm gone. And Sophia's off, you know, working baseball. I, I'm, I'm not going to cancel my life because. Right. You screwed <laughs> up. And so, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that has to go through some of that sometimes. So that's not even close. I, I, I yeah, I hate that we're having it, but it, that's always reassuring that we're all generally working through the same things. Anything else around this topic that you want to cover that we didn't get to before we would jump into the athletic training chat questions? I don't want to not do this enough justice, but wanted to see if there's anything else that you wanted to touch on. You know, I I think you said, you said it to you wanted to have a conversation with these people and it was kind of selfish doing the podcast, right? So you wanted to have a conversation. You wanted to build those relationships, those connections, and over these 600 interviews or whatever it is that we've done, that's what I've done. I've, I've built those connections. I've had conversations, you know, whereas I, I would have disagreed with you if you said, don't use ice. Well, now I'm like, okay, well maybe I won't use ice. Cause I understand why, because yep. I've talked to enough people or right. maybe, 
I would have been, you know, adamant about one thing or another. And it's just, it's a matter of maturity. And so the more you uh, put out content, the more you connect with people, and especially working at a college where you might have graduate assistants and they're connecting with you and they stay connected with you as they move on throughout their career, you're providing that mentorship. Like it just, it really does go back to, I'm not strong enough to do this on my own, but if we collectively work together by reaching out to each other, by doing the podcast, by building those relationships, sure. then then it truly is just an amazing benefit because the the number one thing about the podcast is it's changed me. And so since it continues to change me, like I am happy to share that it change, you know, it changes others as well, but it continues to grow and challenge me. I hear you. I think that's one of the fun things is can you challenge your own beliefs to change your mind? And that that's a hard thing to do. And the more you can be open to it, I think that's one I've talked to a couple other people about. And um, obviously Twitter is its own unique world. Um, I, you're very active on it, but you know, we seem to get hung up on things that maybe in the big picture aren't worth getting hung up on. I eat right. the towel incident thing that came you know flying out there like as we're having this conversation about the general profession and you know moving it forward and you know 40 hour work weeks and getting ats where they need to be like that we can't lose focus of that for something that yeah we might have a differing opinion on i don't i'm not big on ice either i think for a lot of the same reasons that you are based on some of the things i've seen uh just in terms of conversations but it's like unless I was open to that, I never would have changed my mind. I just kept doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So what do you think has been the biggest change from a podcast conversation that you've had? Oh, um, it wasn't on this podcast. Um, it was one on a, a, the sister one we run, but it was with uh, Brett Winchester, who's a chiropractor in the St. Louis area, works with the Cardinals. Um, this is clinically for me um went to a dns course with him and he started talking about you know all the stuff he does working with the pitchers and he's talking about trigger points and saying in the example a guy would come in for something in his pack and he goes you know i could have gone in there and soft tissued the heck out of it dry kneeled whatever it may be but first i would go and have him go through this series of exercises to kind of for lack of a better definition, quote, turn on the posterior musculature. And he went back to check on that trigger point and it wasn't there anymore. And so for me, that who had got really, really soft tissue heavy in my career, that was one of those like, okay, slow down, back it up, take a global look at this thing. Like it's, you can't just say, this is it. I got to go in and get after it um, and looking at the bigger picture. And that's really one I come back to a lot um with that yeah and then you said that was just because of a conversation you had right and so i mean you, yep. you probably have seen something similar in a staff development training it's not staff development, a, a ceu course or something sure. you probably heard somebody talk about Absolutely. that but yep. until you had the opportunity to see it to think about it to ask those questions to ask another set of questions like it's just like oh oh okay okay so i'm getting my questions answered but if I'm asking them, there's somebody else for sure that wants them. Yeah. So. Agreed. I love it. Anything else before we jump into these five? Mm, I don't think so. Sounds good. Um, 
Where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? I think I mentioned this kind of before or throughout the thing is as yep. I'm on board with the, with the new style, with the new format, right? So Sophia came out, she had like grasped on level one. She um, had a couple of different things um, that she was trained in, certified in that I didn't, even as a 15 year professional, right? I didn't have those. So with the IAS Tim or um, the performance reflex or something like that. So there was a couple of other oh, things. Yeah, yeah. And so the experience and opportunity for them to be have a broader base of knowledge. I, I love that. And I hope it continues. And I know there's like, well, we shouldn't be suturing or we shouldn't be doing IVs. Why not? You're in college. You're there to learn. Right. right. And so I'm all for them learning all of it. And then them honing in, you know, and here in Houston, we have some of the specialist um, things. And, and I've talked to Forrest Becca about the, uh, postgraduate work, whatever you call them, like the internships or fellowships, fellowships. Fellowships, yep, yep. And so those things are cool, and and I think it's really good that it helps give them more experience with some closed guidance, and they can kind of get to focus in on, on more. You know, it, it makes it so that there's another year or two where you're not truly earning an income, and that kind of adds up if depending on where you are financially, but. Um, here in the Houston area, athletic training jobs for the most part pay really well. And so I, I think we're going to continue to grow. And I think one of the things that, you know, talking with Todd Stable, but there's also several others, the cash-based athletic training service is, is something that's, that's really growing. And so just the athletic trainer that's able to work in a clinic, treat the athlete or treat the, the, the public. And then, then refer them on to physical therapy to orthopedics, x-rays or whatever it is like that. Mm-hmm. So I think the the standalone option or opportunity for an athletic trainer is something that's really going to grow as more and more athletic trainers realize they don't want to work 80 hours a week and be on call, especially you at a college, you, you know, you're on call at night or have to travel with teams and stuff like that. Sure. Whereas, you know, we don't have to travel with anybody. And, you know, once I go home, they pretty much don't call me, but if you're owning your own, business or if you're the one setting up shop okay well i'm going to be open from seven to four every day and that's it yep. right and so i think i think we're going to see more and more of that there's a continued growth in the uh, just emerging settings you know we've kind of i feel like performing arts has been pretty well covered and it's it's kind of a it's non-traditional net of sports but it's pretty standard now at this point with them number of people in performing arts that have access to athletic trainers but the you know, stuff like Amazon industrial, the, the firefighter or police force stuff is still growing, you know, gaining a lot of traction, things like that. But I think we're going to continue to see improvements for athletic trainers, uh, as a whole. I would, I would agree. Um, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back as a young athletic trainer? And if you just want to set maybe what part of your career that is in, um, that you go back and give that, that younger version advice. I think exactly what we started with is that you are not strong enough. You cannot do this by yourself. You do not know everything. There was a conversation that I had with Bill, which was the guy that was at Pasadena High School for so long. Yep. Um, we were standing out on the football field. We're by the golf cart. One of the kids came up and said, hey, what do you think about my shoulder? 
And then I said, I already told you this inside. But he, and he said, I, di I didn't ask you. I asked him. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I have the license and certification. He just has a license, right? But here he is 30 something years into the career, whatever mm -hmm. it is, 29 years in. And I'm, I'm here saying, okay, well, I, I know more. I know more, right? So it's like, hey, you don't know it all. You're not strong enough. Just shut up and listen, <laughs> right? Yep. And then one of the biggest things now for me is the the patient based care. So so just getting there and really understanding um sometimes it's not just about that ankle that hurts. You know, it's well my back's hurt or like I'm really having a hard time at home or you know, I really hate the coach or I don't even like soccer, but my dad makes me play. Right. And so so with having kids and with going through the foster care trainings and stuff like that, just understanding that there's, it's not just what, what I'm physically saying, what you're physically hearing, but there's so much more to the situation that if you're willing to, to slow down and ask other questions, then you'll get a better holistic picture of what's going on. I like it. What is the most influential resource that you have found in your career? I think the podcast, the sports medicine broadcast, because of the same situation, the same reasons we just said, I get to say, Hey, I need to learn more about blood flow restriction. I'm going to go find somebody who does it. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to ask my questions. It's like with the complex, we had that, that live session and both me, Sophia and John, we were all sitting there like, okay, keep telling us, keep telling us. And <laughs> I was like, all right, John, what you got? And he was like, uh, 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 I don't, I don't know. Cause he was just listening and like right, taking notes and trying yep. to absorb everything because we were, we were just in there in that awesome opportunity of how can we use this to make our athletes get better, to, to yep. really help them to really make a difference. And so being able to have those conversations is awesome. And I think that's why I said like, um, there's several of the podcasts that I reached out to and said, Hey, what are you doing to record? You know, can you change your audio this way? Can you even out your levels or, uh, is there something else you can do like this? You know, and, and several times I've, I've reached out to people, athletic trainers doing podcasts because I've already been down that road. I've yeah. already made those mistakes. So if I can help you because you're, you're positively impacting our profession, you, you may be the next person who is my coworker at the high school, right? You're they're working there with you. They're listening to your podcast, whatever it is. So if I can help you help them, then that that's, that's awesome because I've already been there. And so doing the podcast is selfish, but then helping others start or encouraging others or talking to others, you know, having them on mine, that's, that just continues to help us grow and connect as a profession. Well said. Um, if you could change or eliminate one thing, it could be a modality, a common practice or a mindset, something else that you come up with um, in the field and profession of athletic training, what would it be? All right. So I'm going to go back real quick. The number one resource, what would you oh. say? You've answered this probably like 30 times now. What, what do you, what do you think? Um, God, that's, so people has been the most common answer we've gotten, um, whether it's mentors or preceptors or whoever else, that is that has been the most common response we've got so far on the podcast. Um, that's actually something I've thought about going back and kind of summarizing all of these at some strategic point in the episode level, episode levels, um, just to see what trends we were seeing. 
Uh, for me, I think it's, it's kind of a cop-out, but like the self-education um, where you see a cool thing on YouTube or social media, which can be good for those things. And then you go and you dive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to figure out what's good and what's not on there, but it's going and getting the book. It's understanding that and then following up on things or going looking up the research articles. Uh, so I think that hit for me has probably been the most influential and then you know same thing with this you know and i think i throw like podcasts in that mix too i've got more than i want to count on my like library and so you obviously can't listen to all of them most likely some people figure out how to i guess but just picking and choosing going yep want to know use the example of like bfr need to go in gotta look up a little bit about it go find out who's the person in that Mm-hmm. and you can go search them out and that's the beauty of what it is now and i tell that to our students all the time uh, i'm not that old but i was when youtube wasn't what it nearly what it was when i was in college um, you had to have a dot edu address to get on facebook my laptop had a three and a half inch floppy disk drive in it like it, so old enough that yeah the things weren't at your fingertips like they are now. And you got to harness that power, I think. Yep. Yep. For sure. That's, that's funny because I didn't have a cell phone in college, right? Because most people, most people didn't have a cell phone. So yeah, I'm about, I'm about that same area where it's like not everything is right there. And so you kind of have to dig into it. So, yep. So, and I think that's changed the game so much. Um, I was just reading the book Range, which I highly recommend to anybody that's listening. Just It's a really interesting book. And they were talking about test scores in the U.S. and different things. And ultimately, it's not so much that education is failing. It's just that the educational standards have gone up much higher. So. So if you see any kids walking by, I'm at home because <laughs> of the You're all good. Yeah, so my beautiful wife took them out and she got them, I think, blizzard or something from Dairy Queen. So if you see them walking by or making noise, and then that's why. And like I said, that's the number one important thing, right? The family. Absolutely. So, so I'm not yep. going to be that guy. Like you guys don't even know if I have pants on, right? I could be sitting here just in my shirt <laughs> and my hat. But, but if they're coming through at the house and, you know, that that's what we got going on. All right. So you had asked me the one thing I would like to eliminate. Or change. Yep. Or change. And again, I think we kind of covered this, but when coaches say he's just being a wuss or any other choice word that they use. Yep. And then the athletic trainer copies that, right? Yep. I, I hate that. And you see athletic trainer t-shirts that say, suck it up buttercup or rub some dirt on it. Like, I'm not, I'm just not a fan of that. Like there, there are times when you need to say, okay, Hey, you got to get through this. But even, like I said, with the kids, we've learned trauma-informed care, with the foster care stuff. And it's like, well, what do you need to move forward? What do you, do you need me just to listen to you? Do you need me to just put my hands on you? Do you need me to, to like, what do you need to move forward? Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just a, you're fine, just run away. You're fine, suck it up. You're okay. If they came to me, they needed something. Right. Even if they just needed an ear. I've yep. got this one kid that comes in like every day. What's up? What's up, Jackson? What's up, Jackson? Oh, he, um, my knee's hurting. Oh, is it? Okay. What well, did you do the work? No, but hey, man, what about this? All right. Well, he just, he just needs a mentor. He yep. needs, you know, he, he's looking up to me as a, as a man. 
okay, well, all right, dude, here, here, hey, come help me with this. Come, come help me screw this thing in the wall. You ever used tools before? No? All right, well, here, look, let me show you how to do this, right? Hey, uh, you know how to use the foam roller. Can you show that other kid how to do that real quick? You know, I don't, he doesn't need me to say, suck it up, you're fine, run away, get away, quit bothering me. Right. He needs that encouragement from me. And I hate, I hate when athletic trainers do that because that's not our job. We are healthcare providers. We are there for the athlete. We are there for the patient, not to tell them to suck it up, to get over it. We're there to help them find a way that they can do it. I like that one. That's a good one. Uh, last one. What does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, I, I love that athletic training is a mix of medicine and sports. I love that part of my job is to go out onto the field, to throw the football, to, to catch up at baseball, to shoot free throws, to, you know, shag balls of volleyball, whatever it is. I love that part of, part of my job, like almost requires that so that I'm connecting with the athletes and, you know, I'm, I'm relevant and I'm helping them get better, get back to where they are. But I love the the medicine. And so it's positively impacting the lives. Like I said, there's several friends, several student athletes who are friends with me on Facebook or have come over to the house. So creating those lasting relationships. I've had a police officer. He was a student athlete. He got hurt. He said, Hey, can you just take a look at me? Right. Okay. Because he trusts me because I built that relationship. And so I'm positively impacting his life. All right. Yeah, sure. I'll take a look at you. I'll show you some stuff and then we'll go on from there. Right. And so, yeah, Hey, you might need to go to the doctor and that's fine, but I'm, I am a medical professional. I can positively impact your life and thank you for trusting me. Also well said. Well, just to wrap it up then, if people want to follow you, if they aren't already, um, which would be a little surprising, where's the best place to find you? The easiest, thing is, easiest thing is if you go to sportsmedicinebroadcast.com and then there's the about or the contact, but I am Jeremy Jackson. So on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, I'm Mr. Jeremy Jackson. Or if you remember sports medicine broadcast, then I'm sports medicine broadcast on Instagram or Facebook. And so either one of those two, if you just Google Jeremy Jackson, athletic trainer, I think someone had put it out. And so I'm, I'm like, uh, one of the top, results if you were to google jeremy jackson athletic trainer so any of those will work makes sense well i appreciate you taking the time it was a lot of good lessons in this one well i appreciate it thanks for thanks for having me on and i look forward to continuing the the conversation getting to grow and i know that uh, i was just listening to your episode with candid and they talked about the and you, you mentioned you know hopefully it NATA, if they're still doing the the podcast lounge, the Dragonfly Max podcast lounge, you can get involved with that. And so, yep. um, we're still we're it's all that's still in process, and especially with the coronavirus, we don't know what's right. going to be going on. Um, and so, if if that's the situation, then you know I love to incorporate other people. And it's never been just about me; it's been about how can we help this grow. Uh, how can we, how can we connect people? You know, how can I have the guys from Candid sit down and interview somebody that's going to draw a crowd that's going to help people grow, help connect. How can I have Joel sit down here? And even if you're interviewing somebody on my show, which Alicia's done or several other people yep. have done that kind of thing, 
how can I, how can we connect and help each other grow? And so I look forward to those opportunities uh, if, if they happen. And so definitely if you're going to be at an ATA, look for the podcast lounge or the, the AT chat area and see if you can find Joel or me or any of the other podcast hosts and reach out to them. Sounds good to me. All right. Thanks again. Thank you.